So great. I'm so glad to see you. It's wonderful seeing all of you. And we want to just share a little bit from the scriptures. I told the first service that a few years ago, I think it was 2018, we were um, doing a TFI meeting in Bintan, Indonesia. Was it in 18, 2018 or something like that? Uh, we were doing a, a meeting there and uh, we had mostly Filipinos that were part of that. That, uh, that meeting over in Bintan. We had some Indonesians and other nations, some uh, Singaporeans. But the, a young woman in, from the Philippines said to me, you talk too fast. And I thought, that's not, that's not true. And like, I'm from East Texas. We talk very slow, very slowly. And, uh, and she said, no, you talk too fast. I can't understand you. I said, but you speak English perfectly. She said, I know, but I can't understand you because you talk too fast. So I... I tried to slow down, and I thought I did, and I asked her, well, how did I do? She said, a little bit better, but you still talk too fast. <laughs> and so I, I thought, okay, today, even though she is not here, I'm going to talk slowly today. I want to talk a little bit about Christ, our Passover. Christ, our Passover. Th this season is either Passover, first fruits, or resurrection. It's not Easter. A number of years ago, I said to um, a nursing home resident, and they, they are really so wonderful generally, and uh, I, I said to her, uh, them, actually, several of them, this is uh, not Easter. She said, it is too. And boy, it just really rebuked me. But it's really not. That's not a good name. And of course, I've really tried to, uh, with my zeal, change everybody. That in, in my sphere and those who are not in my sphere, that, that call it something other than this, this pagan thing. I know we're still going to say Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and all that. But if we could, we'd change those things. Uh, but we want to change that because this is too precious and of, a, of, a, of an event, of a time, of a deliverance, of a redemption for us to call it Easter. It's just by habit. And even if our parents told us it was an Easter, it's not it was uh, the Jewish Passover, which became our Passover. Let me read a little bit about, about that uh, in, in just a moment. But let me say that these are challenging times that we live in. We know that. And if you don't know or recognize that these are challenging times, then you're probably a part of our challenge. You know, you know you're, you're probably a part of our challenge because it is evident that these are challenging times. And then if, since it is evident that these are challenging times, it is also evident that we must be about our Father's business. We must be doing some things better than what we have done them. Let me read a few scriptures. Uh, we'll start in the, in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. Paul says, do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? He's speaking to the Corinthians. He's talking about yeast leaven, yeast um, I, I, I've made bread before. Anybody make bread before that used yeast? I made bread before, and I used to like making this bread. But one way you can make bread, you put the yeast in the bread, and, and uh, you'll you work it all in, and you'll let the loaf rise. Have you noticed that? Now, if you did not punch that down, then you didn't have good bread, did you? So you have to punch it down so that all of the yeast gas will work its way through all of the dough. And he says, Paul is saying here that a little bit of yeast, a little bit of sin will work its way through the whole lump. 
And now, it, what it, and we, we'll get to this a little bit clearer later. But so you have to recognize that sin is a, is a big issue. And this Passover was dealing with sin and sinners. This first Passover uh, in Egypt about uh, a good number of years ago. A good number of years ago. Maybe about 3,500 uh, years ago. Three and a half millennia ago, roughly. Therefore, he says, Paul says, purge out the old leaven. As a result of it ruining the whole lump, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. So what Paul is saying is that in the mind of God that, that we are unleavened, we are not um, filled with sin and insidious uh, ba uh, bad deeds that are insidious, that are sneaky and that find their way in us. He said, you truly, in the eyes of God, he's saying, those are my words in the eyes of God. You truly are unleavened. So he's saying is, now get rid of what doesn't belong to you because you truly are unleavened. And then he says, for indeed Christ, our Passover was sacrificed for us. So Paul gives us a greater understanding of the Passover that we had, uh, than we had before uh, Jesus died. He says, he says that Christ is our Passover. He is our Passover. Uh, verse 8 says, Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice. This is what he's showing you. He is giving you an example of leaven, of yeast, things that will ruin the whole lump. That is, something that will be in the body of, of Christ, in the church, that should not be. He says, um, let us keep the feast not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness. So anything that, that uh, portrays wickedness or malice, hatred, uh, evil doings, evil speaking, bad attitudes, he says um, that's what we're talking about, leaven. So if you, if you are prone to bad attitudes, and you, I, mean, I'm not, I mean, anybody can have a bad hair day, you know, you know but, but, but I'm talking about that is basically your nature, and it's everybody's fault but yours. It, it means you got a, we are, there's a problem here, and there is help for you in the sanctuary. Paul is saying that. He says, so let us keep the feast, that is, keep this worship service even, not with leaven of malice or wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And so Paul says is that every Christian should be characterized by sincerity and truth, not sincerity in your own mind, not stuff that you and I make up, not, not saying, well, to me, sincerity means, no, what does it mean to God? So then you, need, you can be sincerely wrong. But, but if you are following the word of God, you will be sincerely right. And so we, we want you to have the genuineness of the word of God. And he says, with truth. So truth is paramount to the Christian life. It is indispensable to the Christian life. Therefore, all of us must be people of truth. That is, don't lie, right? Don't even act a lie. When I was growing up, you know, they talked about that a lot, that people didn't maybe tell a lie, but they acted a lie to throw you off. So you can't even do that. So in the body of Christ, we are challenged. And I want to say this. I didn't say it in the first service, but it has been on my heart. You and I are targets. We are targets. We are the enemy's greatest target. He is not after the world. He has them. But he is always after you. 
My dad told me one time, at a very stressful moment in my life, he said, son, this is what you have to know. You have to know that if the devil hasn't uh, corrupted something good, he's not, he's not done anything. Therefore, he is always after good. He is always trying to corrupt good. And so this is what I believe Paul is saying. Paul is saying this. See, the context of these verses that I just read, and by the way, I'm talking about resurrection. All right, I'm talking about Jesus going into Jerusalem, but I haven't gotten there yet. So the context of these verses is found in the preceding verses where the Apostle Paul addresses a sin issue in the church. There was a sin issue in the church. It was fornication. The church had become, as it were, so liberalized in their view. I don't mean it like the political, liberal, conservative thing. They were so liberalized in their view that they thought they were doing a, a good thing by permitting a guy who, who had taken his, his dad's wife. It obviously wasn't his, own, his biological mom, I don't think. But he, he, was, he was here in there cohabitating, living with his own dad's wife. And they thought that was all right. I mean, we, we, we accept people, you know, we accept everybody. You know, sometimes we've diluted the gospel to the point that it carries no weight where it ought to be carrying a lot of weight that is out there to sinners. To people who are doing wrong things ought to say, man, I don't want to do this wrong thing. Uh, we were talking about it. I think some of the guys, we were talking about it. Uh, and uh, we were talking about how in the old days when we were younger men, how drunks would walk by the church and uh, they, we were in, in a rural area. They walked by the church. They were stumbling, you know, kind of walking by. They were a cool guy. They would have a little whiskey or something in the back pocket. No, and first they'd be drinking it. And they'd get by the church and say, put that up. Put that up, man. We walked by the church. Put it up. And they walked by the church. And once they got by the church, they'd take it out again. Even drunks had something going for them. But even now, we just let everything go. And, and, and we're talking about the Passover. And uh, what, what, what Paul is saying is you have to get rid of leaven, get rid of yeast. But what we do now when, when pastors preach about sin in the camp, sin in the church, people who are sinning don't change. They just find another church. So we have to deal with those things. They were allowing this guy to worship in the church unchecked while living with his father's wife. Wow. So, so leaven or sin, yeast, is, is invisible and pervasive. It is a, it, it is a, a very pervasive influence. It's a, a terrible influence. What it'll do, it will be in one. If it's left unchecked, it, Paul says it starts to spread. It's sort of like, well, pastor's not saying anything about that one, so maybe it's all right. And that's how that works. And so it's, 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 it's invisible, but deadly. All right? You don't see it, but it's deadly. So even if I can't see your sin, if God doesn't allow me to see your sin, it's still deadly. And you want to, you want to deal with that. All right? You all be careful. I'm looking at who applauded that. <laughs> Everybody now is going to want to applaud. <laughs> Matthew chapter 16, let's look at verse 11. It says, Then Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. What Jesus was saying was, uh, Be careful of their doctrine. 
That doctrine will trip you up. And so Jesus was saying that bad doctrine was like leaven. It was like yeast that destroys those things which are good. So then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. It was bad doctrine. A small amount of yeast can affect a large amount of bread or dough when they are mixed. And, and as I've said already, but I want to say again, yeast uh, is a metaphor for an invisible and pervasive influence. Yeast is, is also um, um, uh, referred to as a gradual increase of unbelief. So yeast is as a gradual increase of unbelief. You, you believe in God now because everything is going well in your life, but then something happens and you go, well, I'm out of here. I don't believe anymore. Or I let some, what somebody else is doing cause me damage. And so Paul brings the, the fact that all leaven needed to be removed from the household um, during Passover. And so I wanted to start with that, although it may be a little hard to follow. If you stay with me, you'll follow. Because this season is about Passover, when God wrought a miraculous work of deliverance and redemption in the lives of his people after about 400 or 430 years, 400, 430 years. He, he did a great act uh, of delivering them. And so this is what we have to do. We, we want to look at that because our, as, as Jadira read earlier, our deliverance is even greater than the first Passover. The first Passover was great. It was powerful. And that when God went into Egypt and dealt with all their false gods, and I do believe, and I want to say this emphatically, I do believe that these times in which we live are about God dealing with the world system and all of his falseness, all of it, the, the false gods of materialism and, and all kinds of craziness. God is dealing with that stuff Amen. as he dealt with it here in Egypt. Let us remember Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us, uh, that is, for our sake. And that's what we want to take away from this season, that Jesus died for us. Jesus died as us. Jesus took our sin upon himself. That's not a little thing. That's not a light thing. That's not something that we can just, be, you know, be matter of fact about. No, Jesus died for me. Jesus died in my place. I owe him something. That's how I feel. I owe Jesus something. Yes, I do. Come on, you can do better on this side of the church. I owe him something. So every one of us ought to owe Jesus something. All right, we, we owe Jesus something. We ought to know that we owe him something. Let's look at, at Exodus chapter 12. Uh, and I'm going to get through as many of these verses as I can. I know I can't get through them all. He says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be... The first month of the year to you. It was not their civil calendar. It was not. It was in September, October. But he says, no, March and April are going to be your first month because I'm going to do something new for you. I'm going to do something for you that you have never, ever experienced before. This is what God did. And so let me just say now, he took them into Egypt. About, I think it was 70 or 72 people. He took them into Egypt as a large family, and he brought them out a nation. 400, 400, about 430 years later, brought them out as a nation, a strong nation. And this is what God is able to do. And God wants to show us this amazing thing because he judged Pharaoh, who thought he was somebody special, thought he was a god, and uh, judged all of e Egypt's false gods. God is doing that right now in America and in the world. So let's look. At, and now, you ought to know that. 
And when you and I know that, we should respond differently than the world. The world is in darkness. They can't know. So don't go to the world and say, can't you see what I'm saying? No, they can't. You know, you know Jesus says, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom and you certainly can't enter. Certainly can't are my words, but, but you certainly can't. You can't see, you can't enter the kingdom. So you need the light of God coming to you. We have that light. That's just so amazing. We have that light. And some of us are, are looking for something in the world system to validate us. Come on. Let me get back to my text. Amen. This month is going to be different. So God is saying to, to the Israelites, he is saying to them that, that I'm going to make a difference uh, between your, your two lives, your life before and your life now. And I'm going to give you a a religious calendar or a, a spiritual beginning. I'm going, to, I'm going to give you a new beginning is what God is saying to them. He says, speak to all the congregation of Israel saying on the 10th of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household that is a new beginning. And now look operatively here, we want to look a lamb for a household. And as we've said earlier, uh, that uh, th th this really speaks of Jesus coming to be the savior of the world. Now, if Jesus took up, how can Jesus rather take upon himself the sin of the whole world? I, I don't know if you've ever had that question. A lot of us ask questions. When we read our Bible, we ask questions. I talk to my Bible. You know, I, I told you some of the stuff I've said. Some of it's crazy, but I shared it with you. You know, I've, I've even said about Paul, you know, God, geez, I don't know if I'd like this guy or not. You know, I don't know. I think this guy and I would get in trouble. We, we, we would have some, 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 something going on, you know, whatever. I've done that. But I've talked to my Bible. And so when he talks about a, a, a lamb for a household, it was, it was a prophetic statement, basically, talking about Jesus Christ is going to come and would have the ability to die for the sin of the whole world because the whole world is one household. It's Adam's household. And so this is what we have to look at, how God really works these things, how he, he uh, mails things together and brings out a lot more than you and I would have ever suspected. He says, if a household is too small for the lamb, too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor uh, next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. The celebration of the Passover here was centered in the homes. And that means that all that God is doing with us, it's wonderful to come to church. You should come out here, and we should gather together. But it began in the home. It began, this was a, a home thing. And uh, it should be home again. Our homes should be filled with the peace of God, the joy of God, the love of God. But amen. Amen. But there's always, almost always somebody in the house that just doesn't want to cooperate. Don't you look around. I want to get through with this message. There's somebody who doesn't want to cooperate. And a lot of times it's the person who thinks the other person doesn't want to cooperate. They're not cooperating. And it, it makes it hard because we don't, we don't bring God's word to bear. We bring our own ideas. And we bring our own standards. And we cause a mess in our homes. We can't have that sanctuary in the home because somebody's just not acting right. But I'm going to tell you what God will do. God will eventually call you out. You don't call me out, Lord. Amen. But he will eventually call you out. 
Let's look at verse 5. It says, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Your lamb has to be without blemish. And what this is talking about, without sin. Remember the Bible says um, in Ephesians that um, Jesus loved the church and gave himself for it. Is that right? That, that he might present it to himself a glorious church without spot or wrinkle, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Is that right? That she should be holy and without blemish. And what God is saying is that Jesus died not to say, well, I'm doing the best I can with what I got. You know, Jesus didn't die for us so that we would say, well, I've tried. I just can't, can't get past this habit. No, Jesus died so that you could get over everything. He died to, for you. He he, as it were, had a personal Passover in your life so that you would not be destroyed with the wicked. And now you're going to say, I can't give you what you asked for with the indwelling presence of Jesus? Yeah. This season is about you and I recognizing that, that, that our, this is our Passover. We are here because he passed over our sin. We are congregated because he has passed over us through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what that looks like. The Apostle Peter tells us that we, had, we were redeemed, you and I, were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Now listen to what he says. He, he speaks of Passover. As of a lamb without blemish and without spot. That's 1 Peter 1.19. 1 Peter 1.19. He did this as, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And so Jesus Christ uh, is the real Passover lamb. He is the true Passover lamb. Um, and so... Now, notice in verse 6, very interesting. Now, you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. In the reading on the article that, that our sister read, uh, Moses and Aaron had instructed Israel to bring the lamb into the house on the 10th of the month. On the 10th of the month. And on the 10th, they had to keep it to the 14th, and then they had to kill it at about 3 o'clock. It's between the evenings. And so they killed it at 3 o'clock. I was talking to uh, Brother Stan one time. I, I, will, I, I remember a lot of our conversation. I don't know how I remember our conversation, honestly. I don't know. Because we weren't talking like every day. But we were talking about this subject one time. We would always talk about the, uh, the, uh, the scriptures. And one day he said, he said, yeah, he said, it's like uh, that lamb came in the house. They brought it in on the 10th, and, the, and everybody in the house it got very familiar with that lamb for four days, and then they had to kill it. And, and it, it, it was very graphic in that, in that little conversation uh, that we had that day. It was very graphic to me. Wow. And that's, that's like Jesus is the Lamb of God. And uh, he, when he went into Jerusalem, he went into Jerusalem about four days before his passion. And, uh, and he, was, he did some of his greatest work, greatest miracles, so amazing miracles during that time. He cleansed the temple. And, and the cleansing of the temple, I believe the Holy Spirit revealed to me that the t cleansing of the temple, the, uh, by the way, they, the, the, the leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees had several days to examine him, just like the, 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 uh, the householder had several days to make sure that this lamb, this lamb was without blemish when they got it, and, and they kept, the children were playing with the lamb, I'm sure, and then they had to kill it. So what happens when Jesus goes into Jerusalem, he does what? He cleanses the temple. He cleanses the temple because at Passover, you couldn't have any sin. 
that sin was not allowed in your house, in your dwellings for Passover. It had to be totally removed. And so Jesus, what does he do? He goes and he has this act of cleansing. And I believe that the same Jesus who cleansed the temple and, and took things and throw it, threw it out of the, of the temple, all of those table, money changers tables and, and the places where they were selling uh, doves and oxen and whatever else they were selling, he, he cleansed it. And, and so that, that says to us he's a holy God and he will not put up a sin. Sometimes we, we, we're sinning and we think it's all right because nothing has happened. But it will. Now they killed the Passover at 3 o'clock. Jesus died at that same hour. And so it, it's very, very interesting to me when I think about this. And my time just goes by too fast. I try to elaborate too much. But uh, it, it, it's, it, it's very interesting to me that, that, that for after that first uh, Passover, the, the Passover lamb was slain in, in, in the temple, and, and they were, the, the, the Jews, the, the high priest was killing them. They were killed the lamb. And uh, it, I think that was prophetic because um, about roughly 1,500 years later, um, that there was going to be the Lamb of God who was going to come into the, uh, Jerusalem. And uh, it, it was like a prophecy the high priest is going to kill the Lamb of God. He was, and so when they were, were preparing to kill this little animal lamb, they were also preparing to kill the Lamb of God. And they killed the Lamb of God. They killed the Lamb of God. And that's why I say this season is, it should be a, a time of reflection for us because God wants us, wants us to know the seriousness of this time. Um, verse 7 says, And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. And uh, that is where they uh, receive that Passover lamb. The scripture says that, that uh, Moses, God told Moses they were to roast the lamb, not to boil it, not to uh, eat it raw like some pagans would do, but they were to roast that lamb. And I, and I think that that is, uh, is very telling as well, and we'll get into that at a later juncture. And uh, they were to eat it all. They were to leave nothing of the lamb uh, till the next day. They were to destroy it or burn it all. And uh, that's why uh, Nicodemus and, jo and Joseph of Arimathea went to uh, Pilate and said, we, we want the Lamb uh, of God. We want Jesus off the cross. We're not going to leave him there. And uh, tomorrow is our Passover. We want the Lamb of God. And, of course, they did that. Now, lastly, uh, when we talk about the Lamb, um, the first Passover lamb and how they took the blood with hyssop and they put blood on the doorpost and on the lentil of the doorpost so that everybody behind it, when the death angel would come through the, uh, the, the, the city or through Egypt that, that night, that they were protected by the blood of that, that lamb. And, but not just that lamb, yes, but by, the, uh, by what that lamb represented. Even more than that, that lamb represented Jesus Christ who would come. And they took the hyssop. And then later when Jesus is on the cross, of course, he's dying for the sin of the whole world. What do they take? They take some, some hyssop and they put it, there, you know, on his, I think on his lips. Uh, you know, they take some, some hyssop there. And so I think that these weren't accidentally, accidentally done. They were done because, um, because the scripture had foretold. And... When we look at Jesus as being that bloody, that blood sacrifice, just think about his great sacrifice willingly. The, the, the lambs, I'm sure, weren't saying, I, I volunteer to die today. Those little animals weren't volunteering to die, but Jesus volunteered. 
Jesus said to the Father, if you'll prepare a body for me, I'll do your will. I'll, do, I'll save them. I'll save them from their sin, and I'll save them to a point that it's everlasting, it's eternal. But not so that you can make a peace treaty with weakness. But that's what Jesus said. And, uh, and just as surely as they put the blood on the doorpost and on the lentil, Jesus Christ had the crown of thorns on his brow and blood was streaming down his brow. Jesus had blood-drenched, soaked back where they beat him and 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 beat him. And, and Jesus had even blood, blood everywhere on his head, face, where he, pl he plucked out his beard. You know, they, they nailed his hands where he had blood, blood-stained hands. He had a spear in his side. Uh, later, and out came blood and water. He had blood-stained feet where they nailed him to the cross. That's the price of your salvation. Don't ever think that salvation, because it's free to you, is cheap. It's not cheap. It's very costly to God. His own son hung on that cross from 9 o'clock in the morning till three, to, to, and died at 3 o'clock and was later taken off the cross. Can you imagine the time uh, in, in God's mind and heart that took? Peter tells us that one day is like a thousand years to God. I, I, can you imagine God suffering to save us? We have to take our, this more seriously. God, God saved us through the death of his son. He through, through the death of his son. That's what this is about. And so let's go out of here today and be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. I'll be back in a minute.